Speaking about um, not burdening the economy and improving the economy, what do you think the implications will be of this new draft bill, um, which is going to uh, exclude foreign nationals without permanent residency status from opening and op operating in certain townships? What, what will the implications of that be? Because the purpose of that specific bill is to develop the township economy, which is said to be about 200 worth about 200 billion per year. So what will the implications of that be? Well, the implications in my view, it would be based on the fact that, okay, to some, to some extent, the positive part is that it's gonna force, it's gonna put governments like that or like the incompetent government of Zimbabwe to start acting because here, South Africa is saying, hey, well, now we are not going to carry your burden forever, Zimbabwe. Right? It's, however, on the, to some extent also, it's going to create, cause kind of like a rift because re, we're going to go back to the same question that I, I was asking myself, that I posed the question. Where, would, where must I go? Whereby we're now having people, we're now going to have that that kind of like bumping of heads with between the authorities and foreign nationals. Yes, we need to protect the economy for the local South African in specialized zones, in specialized areas. No lie, I don't lie to you. I do, I do admit there are there are a lot of foreign nationals who are now man controlling the economy of South Africa. It's not in the hands of the, of, of 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 the black South African. And for me as a Zimbabwean. If that same situation is, would happen in Zimbabwe, I would be frustrated also. Because I feel like my own government is not allowing me to realize my, my, what I am entitled to, to experience in, 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 in a particular territory. But from an international student's perspective or from an international, uh, from a Zimbabwean's perspective, I do respect and the laws that have been stipulated by South that, that would have been stipulated by South Africa to protect the, its own nationals. Therefore, now the question is now, the ball will be in, in, in an international student's court, which I have to improve myself. I have to look at other means of how I can fit in. Like for instance, in my case, thank God with this, with this situation, I am now an author. At least I'm improving the literature, the literature industry of South Africa. I'm going to like bring my thoughts together, but I'm going to integrate a lot of things. I think first of all, from a societal level, in terms of what we are socialized with, um, I don't think I don't think we have respect for the humanity of people, specifically Africans, foreign Africans in South Africa. I give you an example of how you go to a foreign national king, a foreign national shop, maybe a Somalian, a Ethiopian, or whatever, and you find a child calling that man my friend. Right? There's no respect there. There's no recognition of his existence, and there's no recognition of his humanity. So for me, from from that lens of a child speaking to a man like that, it already elicits to me that. I'd say the general sense around the country of how these people grow up to believe that, these children grow up to believe that an African citizen, I'd say an African citizen, when in South Africa does not exist to them because they are just 
a person sailing and they don't care. And these same people, when socialized, grow up to become the leaders who draft up these policies, the leaders who engage in the politics of the country, and the leaders who are expected to change or develop the country's problems or maybe aid them, right? So from that lens, um, South Africans, specifically in the townships, don't recognize the humanity of other African citizens. Um, moreover, I think the, the topic we have is not necessarily xenophobia, it's Afrophobia, because with the question you asked, I, I watched how everyone answered, and they didn't get back to the question you asked about the Chinese, right? And this goes to show that we have problematized um, Africans and we haven't problematized your Asians or your Europeans because we assume that they are deserving of humanity or life in South Africa, whether they are seeking asylum or they have economic interest. And by the way, when you look at the township economy, um, it's responsible for employing 70% of, of the people every year, but not 70% of the population, but 70% of the employment every year. And in contrast, um, your, your big companies that are white-owned, they don't even contribute to employing half of that amount the township economy does. And when you look at the township economy, um, that 70% is then divided into this small township economy because there's so little jobs and there's so little business opportunities or avenues, avenues or ventures that you can get into. So it's like, the problem that we are saying is the township economy, but the township economy is employing 70%. And then when you look in contrast to your, I'd say your white economy, which we all know is a white economy, is not even employing half of those people. And then we end up problematizing the township economy. I think it, it makes no sense for us to look at the township economy as a problem because the biggest problem is the, the, the white owned economy. So I think we should engage more on that. And then we should also speak about Afrophobia and not xenophobia, because xenophobia assumes that Europeans are also included. So yeah, I'll just conclude because my time. Um, okay. So first of all, I'd like to talk about this economy that we're discussing. Number one, in the township, what is this economy? The economy mostly consists of tax shops, spaza shops, it's going to have people selling things on the on the sidewalk and might have one or two growth points. That could be your pick and pay, your boxer, your that's specifically for me, it's gonna be your boxers and your shop rights. Now, let's just take a simple example of what an economy is. That's just basically money traveling from one hand to the other so that each all of us can sustain each other. Behind me is uh is the house that's uh, just across the street. It's a tax shop. That tax shop has been owned by four people. Two of them were one, first one was a South African, ran it down to the ground, turned it into a princess, is, is, is a seventh day advocate. So she did not like that. She had to get rid of him and was also not paying his rent. The second owner was a son. Her son actually tried to start a business over there, uh, started selling Amakota, and you know what? That also didn't work out. He had to shut down. And of course, he wasn't paying rent. The other two that came after that, first one was, was from Pakistan. He thrived so much that he actually ended up opening another shop uh, at, a, at a growth point. That's where he is. And in that shop, when he was here, he had one person working for him. At that other shop, he's got two people working for him. 
And mind you, this is all still here in the township. And the second person, also from here, he comes from Utopia. Over here, he pays his rent on time. He, he, he actually insisted that she puts the pro proper electricity pole so that she just doesn't siphon electricity illegally. Um, and on top of that, uh, he just is generally just a good person. Everybody in the neighborhood enjoys him. So looking at those two separate examples, because South Africans and non-South Africans, we can see that by, employ by having non-South Africans run this small economy that I've created, which is as the tuck shop, they, can, she, they have managed to actually transfer money from one point to another, and she in turn can actually sustain herself, and she can buy the things from the, from the shops that are over there, the, the bigger shops like Shopart and whatnot, and those shops can employ other people. So if you look at it like that, they are sustaining the economy in that sense. Now, what happens if the South African government says, for instance, with this new bill, we are now stopping foreign nationals from owning what those puzzle shops? We're going to regress back to that situation. She's going to regress to that situation again, where she can't even afford to pay to go buy some groceries and shoes. To do this, but that's just like this situation that gets created. So I think it's very narrow-minded. Its approach is very limited, and it is reactionary. The problem: the economy. Eighty percent of the economy is owned by white people. White man. Eighty percent of it is owned by the white minority. And for and we know the white minority is not operating in townships out there in CBD that they somehow try to find a way of getting that 80% into people's hands properly as opposed to trying to take 20% out of people's hands and try to destroy it to give it to people who are ill-equipped. This is not to say South Africans are ill-equipped. This is to say in my case example, those people were ill-equipped. I don't think this legislation works. It's reactionary and honestly, it's the worst they could do. One thing that I can say is that the another one thing that that is affecting the South African black economy, from my own observation, is this is my epiphany, which is open to critique, is that many cases the black South African. It's just this is a side comment. I hope that the Black South African of South Africa is willing to sit down and go down and get their hands dirty in in the bid to own their own economy. In the sense that the white man has successfully brainwashed us. I'm using us because I'm including myself within the South African economy. They've brainwashed us to aspire to, to wear suits. They've brainwashed us to aspire to, to leave to work in the office and type on the on and type out. But they did not have they have not encouraged us to explore our innate talents, like what Boris is saying. Kuti, he he is two local South Africans failed to manage Espaza. You know, and now a Pakistani took over. Henceforth, we can see that our own educational system, pardon, I'm using our because I've, I identify myself as part of the South African community. Our own educational system, it is not doing enough 
to, ex to equip us to be self-reliant, independent, and ambitious. In saying that some of these problems that we are facing as a local community, we can solve them on our own. I'm using this statement basing from my experience thus far, saying, okay, why not? You cannot rely on your mother, look at your mother to pay fees for you. Yes, you can, but it's now time for you to start making a plan whereby you do not threaten the local South African. It's now lose your talents to start a, an income generating scheme that does not take a lot of time, power, or that does not threaten the next generation. So what I'm trying to say is, I hope and pray that not only our own community, I'm hoping and praying that the, the rest of the South African economy, we start asking ourselves, what can we do to work outside our fields of interest? Country are lawyers here, but as law students here, what other things can I do that can benefit my community so that we have control of our own economy through producing our own products that are of quality, by the way. That's all I can say. Thank you. Thank you. Dimple, I saw that you raised your hand. Um, I wanted to get to what he said and how he spoke about the, the informal economy and how he spoke about the formal economy, right? Um, seeing that we're here to discuss, I'd say, solutions. I wanted to raise a question and a point. It's, it's a mix of both. That don't you think that if as South Africans or if the South African leadership invested more in the informal economy, seeing that it's, it's what is it? It's, it's employing 70% of, 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 of like the, the, the employment rates every year, if we were to formalize this informal sector and increase, I'd say, the amount of revenue it's making, don't you think we'd be better off and our townships would, I'd say, be more self-sufficient and be able to, I'd say, develop alone, given the fact that it's, it's generating, I'd say, 10 times more than it ever did. And in addition to that, um, for me, like, let me actually say, like, one of my visions for, for the informal economy for South Africa is to firstly revolutionize it by bringing transportation systems closer to it. It makes no sense that the Haldrain station doesn't pass Soweto or Fosleras. And if you had that connection, you would have had more income, more business interests, and uh, uh, easier formalization of these places because now you have easy access to these places and you are making the periphery, the core, or the center of where businesses can make money or where people with business interests can go. In addition to that, I think we have this reliance on, on the white economy, and that's not our fault because of the architectural design of South Africa. I'll get back to that because the architectural design of South Africa put us in townships, and the idea of townships were to give people non-arable land, and we emerged from being a people with land to plant our own food, land to basically be self-sufficient. And then when we moved to the township, we became, we, we moved from being autonomous to being reliant on shop right to buy onions, reliant on shop right to buy lettuce and all of these things that nourish us and let us live. So 
I think for me, the core issue there is the fact that there wasn't uh, a critical engagement with the apartheid policy. Because if we look at apartheid as a policy, it was an academic plan, it was an economic plan, it was a political plan, and it was a social plan. And to develop it, we decided to just look at the politics and we didn't dig deeper into fixing the problems that surrounded it, the outcomes, the core issues, and all of that. And that's why we are here today discussing xenophobia and Afrophobia instead of discussing how to critically look at the social, political, economic, and environmental realms that brought us here, right? We're problematizing outcomes, as I said in the start. So I feel, yeah, I feel, I feel a lot because, <laughs> yeah, my time is running up, but I feel a lot. And I feel this discussion should also move towards bringing solutions. For instance, as I say, the whole health train station system, um, confronting the politics, confronting the economics, confronting all of these surrounding issues, and not necessarily confronting, I'd say, the, the people who have no other choice than to be here because they are also running away from the rape of their own country and the destruction of their economies. Because if you look at Zimbabwe, um, they don't even have ATMs to withdraw money, no did they have in 2008 bread on the shelves. So you can't expect a people like that to stay in their country. And when they come here, fight them and not necessarily fight the problems that we were supposed to address as South Africans, being the political, economic, environmental, and social outcomes of the apartheid system that plague Black South Africans specifically. In my view, uh, I agree with what Jimpo is saying, uh, which is very, very pertinent and important which means that black South Africans, black Africans, we can um, create our own economy whereby we can through cooperation in the sense that I'm gonna use, I'm gonna term this the Bezos, the Jeff Bezos mentality. Let's have a long-term project. Let's look at something that we can build so that we can solve these problems from a political, social, cultural and the ideological perspective. Yeah, that's all I can say. Thank you. Just to wrap things up, since we see that time is running out, um, what solutions would you propose to all the problems that we've just highlighted now as young leaders? For me, I can say that the only way we can solve the situation or the problems that we are having as young Black leaders in our communities is first and foremost, we have to ask ourselves an existential question, which I would like to term the know thyself. What do I stand for as, as a law student at the University of Pretoria? Let's try to solve our own problems through using our knowledge that we are acquiring from these white people. Let's use those know that knowledge to catapult ourselves out of from the doldrums of nothingness to become peoples or persons in the community. Therefore now, we must not be controlled by this economy or by this environment that we are living in. That's, that tells us, hey, uh, black student, aspire to become what is called, to go and work for, for Wexman's uh, or, 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 or all those big um, law firms. Let's try to be industrious. Let's look at our own interests and how we can utilize these interests to, to create 
our own black economy. Because if we come aggressive to the white person saying that we want our land, the same manner that the UN, the West, used on Zimbabwe, when we had the right to take our land back from the white man, the concept of property rights, property rights are in tandem with human rights. Now, Zimbabwe failed, or rather, the question of know thyself. We, our leadership ignored the fact that we need to embrace our own black economy where we frustrate the white person by the buying power because we own the economy. So basically what I'm trying to say is, as young individuals, as young leaders, in our corners of influence, let us look at other things that we can do to further our communities. For me, I saw that my community of South Africa, we don't have African short story writers in the community. I am contributing in my community through storytelling where we address the current situation i am not gifted in 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 in, 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 in I, I, i'm not interested in other fields of the industry yeah that's all i can say actually the solution that i can um suggest in my own opinion that look um the african education system it's not designed um uh, for africans um to enable themselves it's designed for africans to save if you're looking at it, because you go to school and then they're going to tell you like, you know what, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. Like everything, it was designed by the West. From the legal point of view, everything it is them. So it doesn't serve us. So that's why we will never have any direction. That's why we will always look up to them. So that education system for Africa to work, it must be dismantled, right? Look, like now, as you are saying, um, we've already learned. Um, I, I don't believe that um, Africa was uh, barbaric and then we, had made, we didn't have anything because the archaeology that is coming from Ethiopia now, from your Egypt, it shows before even the Europeans come to Africa, tech, we were advanced in technology. So let's stop looking at the white people to come up with solutions. Let's stop looking at the white people and the Chinese to say, look, uh, we're going to copycat them. I believe we've got capable young generation that can sit and invent, can design. If we can take that up on ourselves, then we will gain back our economy. As long as we still use their education, we're going to still be manipulated. And then their education is also divide and rule amongst the Africans. So we, we need to walk away from that. If how, I don't know. But that is the solution that I have to free Africa in all of this. Uh, Nandisa said she doesn't know how I have the how. First of all, buy black. One, uh, misconception number one, South Africans are lazy. They're not. They're making clothes. They sell food. They, instead of buying, uh, instead of going to KFC to buy your wraps, there's a guy who sells wraps down, uh, down the street. They, they do everything. Get them to do, they do decoration. Get them to do your decoration. Don't get someone else to do it. Number two, clean your mind. The arts is years ahead of any political infrastructure that you have in mind. Years ahead. Already artists are envisioning a concept of a united Africa. Clean your mind. Aggressively pursue African arts. Go for African artists, Black African artists, so that you can see what your point of view is going to be. Listen to people's voices through your own voice, through your own language, so that words sink deeper and are not just shallow. Clean your mind. That's the how. 
So for me, the solution to the problem is very simple. Buy black and clean our minds. So before we look outside, we need to look within, deep within our consciousness and understand what is in our mind that is wrong. Firstly, the superiority complexes that we have, the feelings of thinking that we are more than other black African citizens, thinking that we are less than white citizens in, their country, in, in our country. So we need to like, take away those superiority complexes and those inferiority complexes and then arm ourselves with black pride and understand that when you arm yourself with black pride and black consciousness, this means that you are against everything that plagues black African life or black people. If a man is killed and he is black, no matter what the reasoning is, the fact that a black life was taken, right? Someone acted judge and jury. You are against that because that was inhumane. Secondly, I think we need to humanize our systems. We need to humanize our legislation. We need to humanize our economics. We need to humanize all of these things because everything that was created, we are already conscious of the fact that it wasn't created for us. So we need to take a step back and then humanize these systems to look like us. And from there, we can start living better and more prosperous lives. And then in terms of education, we need to decolonize our education because we're facing our epistemicide. Um, most African knowledge is not recognized as knowledge, nor is it seen as being, as being, I think, important enough to be viewed as education. For instance, Biko and other African philosophers are not recognized as philosophers. They write philosophy with a small letter P. So I think we need to engage with those things and improve, let's say, our education to work for African people so that we can develop African minds. And then lastly, not lastly, I'd say <laughs> the, the second last thing I have is we need to um, fix, fix the problem of languages. Um, it is said that in the next 100 years, our languages won't be used anymore and we'll be speaking English and not our own African languages. And that's, that's very frightening because our people won't be their own people, nor will they be in a mode with their cultures, their their identities or even their being because now that is even being stripped away from us. So as Africans, lastly, I believe we need to unite and we need to confront, confront our politics, our social problems, as well as our environmental issues because the environment is also a very important issue that we have. It makes no sense for a country to still be using fossil fuels and not looking at how we're going to use green energy to transcend into the next 200 to 100 years we need to start being futuristic and we need to arm ourselves with black pride and with that i'll leave you with thank you yeah thank you uh yes Ivai. oh yeah also this one this is the last final part is that when also like i appreciate what boris had raised is that when when we when we venture into pursuing our own businesses as young black persons we need to, we have to understand that we are competing with the white person who's already has the the, the the who's already castrated our people in thinking that whenever you see a white person you see perfectness so therefore i'm i would encourage us Kuti, whenever we are going to venture into any form of business what body saying buy black 
when you see yourself as a black business person, you have to understand that um, you have to invest your 130% in, in your product and how you conduct yourself as an individual. Yeah, that's all I can say. And thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, please do comment and share the link. Thank you so much.